You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. The scripture reading this evening comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we love you and we're thankful that you saw fit um, in history to create us, to give us your image, um, to come after us and to save us. We're thankful that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on our behalf. Jesus, we're thankful that you sent your Holy Spirit to dwell in us and among us, to convict us, to give us new hearts and new minds. We pray that this evening you would do just that, that you would open up our hearts and minds to what's true and right and good from your word. God, we love you, praise you, thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. All right, well, hello, my name is Kyle. Uh, I'm a pastor here at Christ Church, and if you are visiting with us tonight, Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This is a bit of a unique week for you to be visiting uh, because as you can tell from our passage, you absolutely know what our sermon is going to be about. It is going to be about church polity. No, just kidding. It's going to be about missions. That's what this passage is. That's what um, this emphasis week is for. It is for us as a church to take a week uh, to consider um, God's heart for the nations and what he has been doing since he created the world. We just finished up the book of Ephesians. That's how we normally study the Bible at Christ Church. We just go book by book. And we have been considering, Nathan has been leading us through this idea that Jesus is uniting all things, um, that God is uniting all things in and under Christ, um, and he is doing that, uh, we're going to study this evening, through the work of missions. He is doing that through the work of the gospel going forth from church to church, um, and that's honestly why we're gathering here today, right? I've mentioned it a little bit last week in my liturgy. You guys remember, isn't it so strange that about 160 of you showed up in Albuquerque, New Mexico on a Sunday afternoon to worship a Jewish carpenter who lived and died and was raised again 2,000 years ago? Does that make any, I mean, like when I put it like that, you're like, yeah, why are we here? Like, what, what are we thinking? No, just kidding. It, it, it shows that God is sovereign. It shows that God has a plan. It shows that he is obviously doing something. And if that's true, if, if we um, are here this evening worshiping a Jewish carpenter, uh, that we should have great confidence that God has the ability to do what he says he's going to do. 
that he will always accomplish what he says he is going to accomplish. So if you're visiting, thanks for being here. And uh, just so you know, we are going to be studying Ruth after this. I'm really excited for that. And so please come back and please come meet me at the beginning um, after this, or not at the beginning, at the end of the service, I'll be standing um, up here uh, when we're done. And so praise God for his heart for the nations. Praise him um, because otherwise we would still be outsiders like we were studying in Ephesians. We in this room would still be alienated from the common wealth of Israel. We would not have the gospel. We would not be here. We would not be saved. And preaching on missions, I just find it to be such a difficult task often because in this room, inevitably, there are about five or six different attitudes towards the idea and concept of mission. Some of you are um, like, man, we should be talking about this way more. Like these, these canvases are not enough. Once a year is not enough. Our budget line items are not enough. We should be about this. Some of you are like, I'm kind of tired of hearing about this, honestly. Like we talk about it quite a bit. We have workers come back off all the time. We're praying for them. We're giving how much to them. And again, I'm not here to cash shade on you. I'm just, uh, I've been there. I've, I've been in that mindset. Some of you are like, I don't like hearing about it because it makes me feel guilty. Makes me feel guilty because I'm really scared Jesus is gonna say, go to the nations. I'm gonna be like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I don't wanna do it. Um, and, and so I just try to put it out of my mind. I try not to think about it. And some of you are here, you just love the topic and you're very involved in our, um, our care team and our other uh, things that we do about missions. It's impossible. It's impossible for me to gain all of your perspectives and preach to each one of those. So what I wanna try to do this evening is preach from Christ's perspective. I want to preach from his perspective on this idea, this concept of missions, and I want to call us all, no matter where we are on that spectrum that I just described, to submit ourselves to him, right? That's the goal. That's, I mean, that's what we are doing. We just read that he has all authority, so obviously we want to do that. So I want to do two things in this sermon. This intro is going to be really long. Preaching on missions is really tough, but I want to do two things in this sermon. I want to give us a theological kind of framework with the, with the Great Commission that I just described, and then after that, I want, um, uh, so it's kind of the, the theological theological side of it and then the practical side of it. So I want to talk about um, uh, a theological reminder of the biblical mandate to take the gospel and give it to those who have no access to it. And then I want to give a specific reminder of how we here at Christ Church are doing that and how you can join us in that, how you maybe even can go. If you're listening to the sermon after the fact, we're going to cut that whole uh, part out of our message just because we don't want to compromise our brothers and sisters who are overseas. We don't want to compromise the people that they're sharing with. So just, just know that. But we've dedicated an annual sermon. Every year we do this so that we never become complacent because we don't think we can. We don't think we're allowed to. We think that the Bible is clear on what the church should be about and that the nations um, is a huge part of that. Global missions is what God has been doing uh, really forever, and that's where we're going to go. So before I get too far into this, I just have to say, I've listened to so many sermons on this. Um, John Piper, David Platt, uh, those men have discipled me, and so just assume they have already said all this. Like, I don't have much of an original thought. I don't think, I mean, I was writing them like, that's really good. Then I was like, I probably heard that somewhere. Um, and so just know, I want to give credit where credit is due. I have, this has been handed to me, and I'm, I'm wanting to hand it to you because this is what uh, the world is all about, really. It's about worship. And so um, I just wanted to give credit where it's due. And I also felt burdened because this, this text 
is there's, there's two weird sides to it. One, it's the most familiar text in the Bible. Besides John 3.16, all of you, as soon as you heard it read, you knew it was coming. You knew what this text was going to be. If you're a Christian, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, when you heard Great Commission, all authority, heaven on earth, you just went to mission. So it's really familiar. So that's hard. It's hard as a preacher to try. I don't want to like make stuff up to make you like it or whatever. I don't want to go sideways. I want to present the word. But the other side of it is, did you catch what Jesus just said? Like, think about it. He just made clear that the post-incarnate, that means that the, the person who was in uh, a part of the Trinity in heaven eternally with God, who came to earth and became man, post-incarnate, post-resurrected, embodied in his, in his resurrected body, second person of the Trinity is currently ruling in heaven with all authority. The son of Mary. So look, there's kids all around. You can reach out and touch them. Right? The son of Mary is sitting at the right hand of the father, and he is ruling and reigning with all authority, and he is with us. That makes no sense. That's all I can give you on that. I, don't, I can't explain that. The context of this passage is Jesus just rose from the dead. That's incredible. And he is about to literally float into heaven. And the disciples are just like, they just sit there. He doesn't disappear. He doesn't dissipate. He goes to sit in the cosmos somewhere to rule and reign completely over. You don't know the Great Commission. Neither do I, right? Like I started reading this and I freaked out. I was like, I cannot describe all of these theological realities. I cannot in, in 30 minutes, 45 minutes, unpack how incredible a passage that this really is. And that's it. Theological clarity is so important when you're trying to understand missions. It's so important. And I don't mean like theological clarity in the sense of we need to know all the right terms and, and all the right words for all the right contexts. I mean what God is doing like who he is, where this story began, where we are in this story, and where it is going. When I, some of you learned this, this last week that I can sing a little bit. I sang at a wedding, and you were like, I didn't know you can sing. I'm about to do that again. Michelle and I spent our first, our second and our third year of marriage overseas in East Asia sharing the gospel. We thought we'd be missionaries forever. We thought we would never be in the States. I never imagined being a pastor. I never imagined preaching from a pulpit. I thought I was going to be in the nations. And, and the first time that I went overseas, it, made, it was made very clear to me immediately that I do not have good theology. I do not understand what the Bible is about. I don't understand how the story began. I don't understand where I'm at in it. And I definitely don't understand where it is going. I knew that God was worthy of praise. I knew that there was lost people who needed it, which are both truths. But man, that's about as far as I could go. When I got overseas, I thought God was going to, like, this, this, he's with me. I was like, I was going to become the Billy Graham of East Asia, and, like, he would be back by now. I really, like, that might be a, a little exaggerant, but that tells you how much I think about myself. Um, but I, it was about me. It was about what I can do. And, and I got to about a year and a half, and I was devastated. I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't make these people love Jesus. I had led some to Jesus, and I kind of taught them a few things, and that's all I had. I didn't know where to go from there. I didn't know how to plant a church. I didn't know how to raise up pastors. I didn't know anything. I was, 
I was weak. Theology, again, not the book study, but the understanding God, understanding what he has given us in his word is so important when it comes to missions. I misunderstood Christ's authority. I misunderstood his command and I misunderstood his presence. And it turned into something about me and what I was doing and what I could accomplish instead of something about him, which is super dangerous. It's comforting and challenging to consider Christ's authority and his presence, right? That's what, that's what the Great Commission is kind of the sandwich, right? It's his authority up here and his presence with us right here. And in the middle is, is the command. And that really is most of our working theology. We work day in, day out, out of Christ's authority, his sovereign rule and reign in the world and the fact that he's with us. We love that. That's how we exist. That's how Christians get up in the morning. We ignore that most of the time, but, but otherwise we are just thinking about him, he's in charge, and he is with me and he loves me. We desire to, to feel his comfort. We often ask ourselves things like, God, what's your will? Like, I want to know, what do, you want, what do you want for me? What do you want me to do? We ask ourselves, like, we pursue it like it's like the secret behind a rock that every Christian has to discover for themselves. Like, God has different wills. There's, there's 150 people in this room, and there's 150 different answers to that question. So, God, would you just give it to me? Right? When, we're, when we're feeling sad or confused, we just, God, would you help me? We, we treat them kind of like one of the online therapists now. Right? We log in. We know that they've already read kind of our background. They know who we are. They know what's going on. Could you just give me something today that would make me feel better, that would help me, that would, that would, that would get me out of this rut that I'm in? We love God's authority, that he's in control, and we love his presence but we don't realize that his heart for the nations is what holds those things together. He is so kind and wise, right? Because he knows our biggest pitfall is making the gospel about us. We want to make all of this about us. Everything we just did this evening about us. That little Bible you have with the tiny pages, we want to make that about us. Heaven, we want to make that about us. And God in his wisdom and kindness said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go. Think about someone else. Go to a place where I'm not yet. Think about me. Love me. Because loving yourself leads to destruction. It leads to Kyle a year and a half into serving the gospel in East Asia Asia, saying, I can't do this. I have to go home. I don't regret going for one bit because it humbled me. There were people who came to know the Lord I I pray for them often. I think of them often. I trust the the sovereign Holy Spirit. But man, if I were to be honest, I would say I was a failure. Michelle was a a rock star. Um, She has always had good theology on these things, and I love her, but she had to bear with me being, man, just just so many shortcomings. And so... His authority and presence are what we like to focus on, but his, his command to go is what he's asked us to focus on. And so let's get, let's get into that. Um, why would Jesus say something like that? It's really funny. Like he's floating into heavens and he's like, hey, by the way, reach the whole world. Oh, I could do it myself, but I'm not going to. Bye. You know, it's just like we think of it like that. Like it's just this impossible task. I do it to my kids all the time. It's like dinner's done. I want to have a talk with my wife. My dog wants to go on a walk. So I'm like, all right, I'm going on a walk. When I come home, this table better be clean. All the dishes better be in the dishwasher. Wash all these pans. I want to walk into a nice clean kitchen. We try to think like that's kind of like what Jesus did. He just floated into heaven, walking a 
dachshund uh, telling his kids to uh, get, get the house clean. I'm, I'm done with you. I don't want to come back to that. That's really not what he's done, right? And we cannot view missions like that. Um, why would uh, Jesus do that? He didn't do that. Um, and uh, he, he, if we think of it just as this difficult, impossible task, this begrudging task that we have to think about sometimes and we miss the whole point of missions, if we uh, set the command Jesus gave to make disciples of all nations as like a secondary or a tertiary thing, we really miss the whole entire Bible. Did you hear me? The whole scope of scripture, you're just throwing it out like it's not important, like it doesn't matter. Because if you remember, Adam was meant to do what? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. You hear over and over in scripture, fill the earth with my glory. Right? So, so God's understanding of an earth filled with his glory is an earth filled with image bearers who know him, who love him, and who worship him. But we ruined it. Right? We messed it up. This is just the story of the Bible. We messed it up. Adam, instead of sowing worship, he sowed rebellion. He left God. He left him behind. He ignored him. He ignored his ways. He ignored his goodness. And he pursued sin. And the world has been pursuing that until something significant happened. Jesus came and he took us off of track and put us back onto track, right? He redeemed the image of God and he began to build a people. Started with one, two, 12, 3,000, 5,000, millions, right? And it's growing and now the earth is to be filled with the glory of God again. This is not a new work. This is not a new idea. It's not a sideways step of like, oh yeah, so like we should go to church and be good Christians and we should do missions. This is the whole point of the Bible. This is is what we're doing. This is what history is heading towards, is this people from every tribe, tongue, and nations worshiping God. And that's it. It's like worship is both the purpose and the propellant of missions. There's a little John Piper in there, right? Worship Missions exist because worship does not. So worship is what we are, um, is what uh, we're supposed to do and is what sends us to the nations. And so it's why we do it and it's how we do it. It starts with our worship here and it ends with someone's worship somewhere, always. The gospel moves naturally into people and out of people. Healthy churches, good churches, we talk a lot about that. Like it moves from Albuquerque, it should, to the world. And we praise God for that, right? Because if that wasn't the case, we would not be here. If God was not a God with that in mind, you would not know him. Some people in the Middle East would still have the gospel and they would be enjoying it, I guess, or maybe they would have died off. But praise be to God that that is not his way of doing things. And so, again, I told you my intro was going to be long. This message might go long. I'm trying not to make it long. I know you ladies are like, come on, dude. We get it. God loves the nations. Tired. Here's my three points. All authority, all nations, always with us. Okay, those, that, that's how I'm breaking down the Great Commission this evening. That's, that's what we're going to go through. And if you look, what I've been already saying in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, he says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, and then in uh, verse 23 of chapter 1, he says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew has an agenda in the book that he is writing. Right? He knows the end. He knows chapter 28. And so he bookends it 
by saying the same thing, but instead of just saying it directly, Jesus says these direct things, but Matthew sets it up as Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. Okay, and how, where do I get that? Okay, so, so verse 1 makes it clear that Jesus is the long-awaited king from the line of David. What did Jesus say he had? All authority. He's the ruler. He reigns. He is the king over all of things. He, uh, he said that he comes from the line of Abraham. What did God say to Abraham? That he is going to bring somebody from him who's going to bless the nations and all of the earth. You can't even count them. It's like dirt on the ocean floor. All of the people of the earth are going to come to him and he's going to build this huge family out of Abraham. That's the nation's. Right? That's the command. That's where we're living in the story if you're confused or if you're unclear. That's where we are right now. Right? And then the last thing is he is God with us. Emmanuel. What did Jesus say? How did he end the Great Commission? And lo, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So let's look at it. All authority. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So we already said it. Jesus uh, 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 starts his commission like this. But it's pretty confusing to me because I know some of you kids especially, it's like, I thought he was God. I thought Jesus was God. So how come now he's saying that there's this authority that he didn't have and now he does have? And I think this is a really important point. This is something really important if we want to understand the Great Commission. Earlier in Matthew chapter 11, it says this, all things have been handed over to me. This is Jesus talking by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses. Now, what I'm about to explain, I think is really important. I believe it to be. It was very encouraging and challenging for me as I sat through reading the scriptures. But Jesus said that all authority has been given to him. He is saying this is a new page in redemptive history. He is saying something new is happening. Okay, because before this, we know Jesus is God. We know he was part of creating the world. We know he has existed eternally. He has always been that, and he will always be that. But when he says that something has happened, when he has received new authority, he is saying, pay attention. I did something. He fulfilled the law, the prophets, died on the cross, sits in bodily form as the incarnate God, man, in authority over all things. Authority was given to Jesus by God the Father when his work on earth was finished. So he always had authority in a way, but he's got a new authority. And we talked about it in the book of Ephesians. What's that authority? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 through 23 says this. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fits all in all. So yes, Jesus has authority over heaven and earth, but it it zooms in. God narrows that authority and he says that it is an authority specifically over his people. Okay, so now, now we see Jesus. Jesus has always existed, but the, this people didn't exist. He does the work that's necessary to make this people, and now he sits in authority over these people. So when we think of salvation, when we think of what Christ has done for us, we need to think of his authority. They go hand in hand, and with his authority, what did Jesus say to do? Last words. I don't think I'll get last words. 
I'll probably be so grumpy, they're just going to have to put me on something. I'm like, everything hurts. They're like, yeah, this guy's done. I don't think, I don't think most people get last words. I think people are just nice crafting stuff. But Jesus got last words because he was fully with it. He was embodied. He was floating up to heaven and he was saying, all authority has been given to me. Go to the nations. That's what this new authority is being exercised for. And why is that? We'll get to that. The story of Scripture starts and ends the same way. Starts with a garden, ends with a garden, starts with a people, ends with a people. Jesus loves his Father. Jesus loves his glory. Jesus loves his plan. And he is about making sure that it is accomplished. And I want to make this clear. Jesus' authority was secured for him when he died for us. Okay, that they go together. When Jesus died is when he got this authority. When we consider his authority, we should consider the cost of our salvation. When you consider the cost of your salvation, you stop considering yourself. Right? You stop thinking about yourself. Christ is calling us out of what's plaguing the world. This obsession with self. And he's calling us to, one, think about him. Think about our head. And to think about where's the head pointing? Where is he looking right now? He is seeking and saving the lost. That's what Jesus is doing. He, he has been given authority and he said, God, I won't lose one of them that you've given me. This people that you've given me, I'm going to get all of them. And how is he going to do that? With us. He does that with us. Christ exercises his authority by commanding his church to go to the nations. How, how does that command fit in with your daily life? Like, how does it fit in with your Bible reading? How does it fit in with your worship? How does it fit in with your pursuit of holiness? How does it fit in with your job? How does it fit in with what you think and what you do every day? Like, I am not here to make you feel guilty because I am, I am with you in terms of being obsessed with myself. But if we remember that for us to have Jesus, the head, he had to die for him to have the authority that he does to love us and to save us and to pursue us in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which makes no sense for him to do that. He had to lay himself down. When we start thinking that way, we think, I love you, Jesus. And when we start thinking, I love you, Jesus, we start asking, what do you love? What do you want? What are you doing? And so much of our, even our Christian life, is wrapped up in ourselves, is it not? So much of what we do is about how can I understand? How can I grow? How can I feel better? Sometimes how can I serve? And again, I'm not, I'm not here to make us feel guilty. I'm just here to kind of lift our heads up and remember that this is going somewhere. And it's not, it's not just to the nations, but it's going to an end. An end of people worshiping, right? A people purchased by God for God to know him and to image him perfectly for an eternity. That's what your Savior cares about. And that's what we should care about. Man, I knew I was going to get passionate and get outside of my notes. We want our hearts here at Christ Church to align with that. We want our minds to be aligned with the mission of God and his mission for the nations to know and worship him through Christ applied by the Holy Spirit. But what does all nations mean? So that's the second thing. So like we say, okay, he's got authority. He uses that authority to tells us to go to all nations. And then we're like, well, what does that even mean? And so some of us are like, well, actually, 
that means Pontotath, ethne, blah, blah, blah. They go, they'll, you'll go for it, right? And I think that's good. I'm not bad-mathing that, but we'll start dissecting people and we'll be like, nope, you're part of that nation and they're part of this nation, right? So, so since, and we just start, to, we're going to get this done. We're going to figure this out. Some of you just go, well, that's too complicated. I'm going to go to Starbucks, you know? And so we just throw it out and we, if we're not careful, we become like Jesus. Uh, no, not like Jesus, the Pharisees who are like, who's my neighbor? Right? And why did they ask that question? They asked that question because they didn't want to love that person. They didn't want to think like Jesus and say, I'm supposed to love everybody? How, does, how do you do that? See, I, don't get me wrong. I do think it's super important. It's super important for us to like really think about these things. Joshua Project, um, um, what's the book? God, no, the book that you pray through all the nations of the world. Uh, God, Operation World, um, all of those things, I am for them. A lot of you here in this room, Work for Faith comes by hearing, translating the scriptures into every language so that people can have that. This message is for that, not against that. But what I am arguing, what I want to, to say is I think Jesus gave that big blanket statement for a reason. I don't think he said all the nations and there are 17,453 of them. And as soon as you've done it, I will come back. And so here's a plan. If you go over here first and then over here, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't give us this bullseye of a target. He just shot a shotgun and that stuff spread everywhere. He said all the nations and then jumped up to heaven. Why do you think he did that? I think it's another one of those things where you just kind of, like me with the kids, clean the house and I'll be back in a little while, right? Like he's wanting to call us out of ourselves. He's wanting us to think a little bit, just like he did with the Pharisees. He wanted them to love everybody. He wasn't giving them specific groups and like a math problem. He was trying to change their minds to think like God thinks. Everybody. So if the disciples would have said, well, who are all the nations? He would have answered them just like the Pharisees. Well, let me tell you a story. And who do you think was the neighbor? I think he was just trying to blow our brains away and quit with our like wanting to control and help us understand I'm in authority and this is your job till I come back. There really is no way for you to do this on your own. There is no way for you. And that's the last point, right? He's with us. Praise God. But we're not there yet. It's important for us to understand that I think Jesus was trying to change our hearts and our minds. He was trying to give us this new understanding of what it means for this new generation to submit to God and in Christ's authority. It means that you are always thinking about the salvation of everybody. That you care about what he cares about. That you go where he is going. And that you work at that until he sees fit to come back and end this era of the church. End the Great Commission era. That's where we are. There's a, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot I would like to say. And I, I want to make this clear. I don't think every single one of you needs to now drop everything and go become a missionary. That's not the point. The point is, if this is where eternity is heading, where are we heading? Where's Christ Church heading? 
Christchurch is heading where you individually are heading. Because we are a group of people. We're a church made of individuals. And, and we are a church that's made of churches. And all of us put together become the body of Jesus. And some of you are accountants. Some of you stay at home. Some of you are teachers. I'm not saying we all need to change our vocations. I'm saying when God puts all those things together and we become the church, we become about the nations. We become about the world worshiping. That begins with our worship here and it inevitably flows to the nations there. I want Christ Church to understand that and to think more than we do when just the, the G's are here or the E's are here or somebody. I want us to think this is where this is heading. If I had this gospel clarity whenever I was overseas, I would have had a different mindset. I would have had a different ability to persevere if I knew that Jesus had all authority. He said we should be about this. And I remember that this will be accomplished. There is, like, like think of Revelation 7. Your voices are there. Your voices. John heard you. <laughs> That's too much. He heard you worshiping. You know who else he heard? He heard people from, from tribes who right now, currently, don't have the gospel. He heard people from nations who don't have a gospel presence, who don't have the church. Some of them don't even have the scriptures in their names, in their languages. That's incredible. We don't go because of guilt. We go because of love. We go because of worship. God translated Arabic and Latin and Greek and Hebrew. I mean, depends on how far you go back to bring it into English and into Spanish so that we could receive the word. That's what he's done. And he's going to continue to do that until the end. All nations, I don't think Jesus is just giving us this like puzzle that we're then supposed to go figure out. I think he's giving us a new mind that says this is our job. And we're going to do it until he comes back. There's no end. There's no end in sight. But he's with us. This is what his presence is for. Okay, we want to make his presence. I mean, like, again, this is not, I'm, I'm not, if some, one of you is like, he's talking about me. I'm not talking about you, right? I meet with so many of you and I love you and God cares about you. He cares about your well-being. He cares about your individual, individual spirituality. He cares about your families. He cares about your heartache. He cares about your anxiety. He cares about your finances. He cares about your moms. He cares about your friends. He is ever present and he is ever loving. And that's why we should take him to the world. That's the kind of God he is. That's how he has loved us. And we could never be so selfish as to say it stops with me. 2,000 years of faithful, obedient Christianity, understanding this commission was all for Kyle Stevens. Thank you, Lord. What a glorious plan you had. Right? You're laughing at me. And that hurts my feelings. But Jesus loves me. No, I'm just kidding. It's just incredible, right? Like, it, you either view yourself as a link in a chain, or you view yourself as like the intended end of 2,000 years of Christianity and gospel sharing. I know you all view yourselves as links in a chain, 
right, heading somewhere, heading to an eternity where people from every tribe, tongue, and nation are worshiping Christ. And that's what he's calling us to. Christ's church, that's what he's calling us to. If you're, really, if you're really perceptive, you'll realize that I chose one all instead of another. I chose all nations instead of teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And that was tough. I wrestled with that this week. There's really two camps. There are those who are like, we got to share with every man, woman, dog, and tree out there, and we got to make this as fast as possible because it is on us, right? They have this, this rapid multiplication mindset. And then there's are those who are like, nope, not until that church can quote Romans in Greek, Hebrew, English, and their mother tongue are they allowed to move on, right? And so like, obviously I'm being facetious, but there are two camps that are really uh, going right now. And I, I'm arguing for a middle road. I'm arguing 51% focus on the nations, 49% focus on the teaching and the training of those people. Because what is, what is Revelation 7 talking about? Is it an inductive Bible study on Romans? It's people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping. The thrust of the Bible is, is people, is people worshiping God, image bearers being restored to the place that God intended them to be in community with each other, in community with him living in joy and peace forever. That's where we're heading. And so that's why I think we need to focus on the nations, but we need to focus on what we teach them. We're, we're about planting churches. We only partner with people that understand that the point of this is that they understand this truth. Like if they can't, under, if they can't see Adam and understand the folly, if they can't see Jesus as the second Adam, the one who fixed it, the one who was always intended and where this is going, that church is not going to go anywhere. They're not going to become a nations-minded church, a gospel-sharing church. They're going to, they're going to bottle it up and, and hold it to themselves, right? So we've got to be about both. We've got to be about the nations, and we've got to be about the teaching. But the focus has to be on the nations, because if we're not careful, our eyes go inward. We want to make the gospel about us. We want to make the mission of the church about us, and it's not, right? We're a piece of it, but we're not the finished work. The finished work is yet to come. Does that make you excited? I hope it does. I know, I know that like when I was young, I think I've told this story before. I didn't want Jesus to come back until I got a BB gun. That's what I wanted, right? And like my heart, like it's, it shows what humans are like. Like we don't want to think about the end times because we're thinking about ourselves. We don't want to think about the cost of missions, like what that, that might cost you individually, that might cost us as a church collectively, financially, cost us time praying, cost us uh, energy and resources sending. We don't want to think about that. We want to think about us. And praise God that he called us to be under his authority. That authority is connected to his crucifixion which makes us love him all the more. And we'll say, Jesus, I'll do whatever you tell me to do because you are glorious. You died that I might live. I love you. And he says, okay, go tell others that same truth. Right? And you're like, who? And he says, everybody. And you're like, dang it. It's too much. And then he says, but don't worry, I'm with you. I'm Emmanuel. 
God is with us. Man, it's so incredible. I love the Great Commission. I've never seen it through this uh, lens. I've never studied it or taught it like this. Uh, but he's with us, right? And if our eyes are on him, we're going to see where his eyes are. His eyes are on the nations. They're on the rest of the people who have yet to trust him and know him and be redeemed by this wonderful gospel. We don't need to be afraid because he is with us. And he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The task itself is impossible. There's no way to clarify it, no way to quantify it, no way really for us to complete it or know when we've completed it until the trumpets sound and Jesus comes back. That's when we know we're done. That's when we can say, okay, missions are finished. Because we don't get, we don't get to do that in the, in the new heaven and in the new earth. Okay, those who are with Christ will worship him forever and those who aren't will be in hell forever. That's what the Bible teaches. And I know there's a lot, that's, that's not... There's, there's a lot of Instagram posts against what I just said, but it's true. Otherwise, why would Jesus come and die? Why would he himself in Mark talk so clearly about the need to repent because there's a place for those, uh, uh, there's, there's eternal punishment for those who don't. He's just clear, it's clear that that is the fate. God is about saving people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. All of the time he's with us. He has ongoing presence, his kind leading in our lives that gives us the strength and confidence to walk forward in this difficult task. And how long will that be until he comes back? How long should we be thinking about the nations until Christ returns? That's, I, mean, I know, that, how does that land on you? That's the question of the night. How does, how does this idea that this is not just for the people on the walls, on our canvases, this is not just for some few, but this is for all of us, and this doesn't stop until Jesus returns. How does that sit with you? Does that fit with your understanding of the Christian life? My desire is to not make you feel guilty, but to challenge us to understand the global context of our personal salvation. God's gathering people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and he's, he, you are part of that. And it's an ongoing work that will continue until he returns. And I know we all have different ideas and attitudes about missions and about the amount of attention that we should put on it. If you're one of those who are tired of hearing about it, after me preaching this sermon, here's my desire. My desire is that your hearts and minds would be inclined towards the end of all things. Instead of just the present to where today is leading, that you would long for the day when Jesus returns and we gather with our brothers and sisters to shout his praises. The vast majority of us stay, right? The vast majority of our resources stay. And I'm not necessarily saying that's bad, but I'm saying that like with that in mind, let's support our missionaries well. Let's talk about them a lot. Let's pray for them. Let's give attention to those who are potentially wanting to go overseas. Let's raise them up. Let's give them funds. Let's celebrate their faith and let's send them out. Let's join them. For those that don't give missions much thought, right? You're just like, oh yeah, that's a good reminder. But it's not a part of our, our thinking. This is, this is my encouragement. My hope is that your mind would be encouraged to consider the amazing missionary God who left heaven, took on flesh, died in your place, 
commanded and motivated the church to share the gospel, took it from the Middle East, translated the scriptures into your language, placed someone into your path who loved God and loved you enough to share this gospel with you. Then he gifted you a new heart and saved you into his body, securing your eternity with him. That's how we got here. That's why you're sitting in the seat tonight. That took a lot. Like your salvation was not serendipitous. You know what's serendipitous? Miss Darlene Howe, I was, Michelle and I lived with her for two years in East Asia. And she's here tonight when I'm preaching on missions. That makes no sense. That's serendipitous. That's God's sovereignty. That's a sweet gift that we get to hug her night, hug her neck tonight as I talk about this wonderful truth. You know what is not serendipitous? That's not just happenstance, your salvation. It took everything. It cost, it cost Christ everything because he loves you and he loves the world. Consider that. If, it, if just missions is just so far from your mind, just remember what it took and what that person who did all that work has asked you to do, which is to take this gospel to the world. Just be a part of it. Just think about it. We have lots of ways to do that. We have care teams that are buying Christmas gifts right now for our, our workers overseas. We have prayer letters. We have cards that you can put up in your house. That's a great way to participate. Praying and giving are great ways to participate. That is, that is important. And my last encouragement is to those of you who are on the edge of your seat in a sermon like this. You're just like, I love it. I love everything he's saying. You're rare. You're an odd bird. You might be seven years old, and you're thinking, you know what? That sounds pretty neat. I want to be about what God's about. Talk to your parents. It is worth, listen to me, kids of our church, it is worth your life to move overseas to share the gospel that those who don't have it can have it. There are kids your age right now who don't know the gospel, and they're going to grow up without it. In families that love them and people that are kind and good, but without Jesus, they don't know God. And without God, they can't be with us forever. I don't, I don't want to like, all oh, your parents are like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm like, go. 30 years from now, I want you guys to be gone. This life is, this life is short. We get 90 years and then we get an eternity with Christ. It's worth your life to consider. And if you grow up and you're like, I'm going to be an engineer, then leverage your finances for the gospel among the nations. Go to a church that preaches about God's heart for the world. Be picky. Be choosy. Don't satisfy and don't settle. And if your parents have said something like, that would be kind of fun, go poke them. And say, hey, remember when you said going overseas might be fun? It doesn't have to be for the rest of your life. It could be for a week. We're trying to create more pathways for us to just be overseas for a week. It doesn't have to be for just a week. It could be for two years. That's what, that's what, uh, that's what I'm going to say. Her, I'm not going to say her name. That's what one of our workers right now is doing. She's gone for two years and then she's going to be back. Have another chance to consider. You might be seven. Hear that. You might be 17. Hear that. You might be 27 thinking, man, is this, this is not going to go away. I guess I still like the nations. That's weird. Heed the call. Go. You might be 67 and thinking, man, I've worked my whole life and I'm finally done. And I still, man, I just can't get that out of my brain. Go. Go to the world. 
It's worth it. Think of the reward. Think of Jesus' authority that was purchased by his death. That's why God gave it to him, because he died for you. And then we say, of course I'll obey you. Of course I'll obey you. Of course I'll go. Think of the reward. It's his presence with you. It's the promise that you cannot fail. This is what is happening. The world will one day, every knee bow, every tongue confess, Jesus will return and he will judge the living and the dead. He will set all things straight. You can't fail. Go. How do I go, you might ask. You don't just walk up here today and I send you tomorrow. If that's something you want to do, the way we do it here at Christ Church is the first gateway is your pastor. Come talk to me. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Let me examine your life. Let me begin to meet with you. Let me begin to ask questions to see if this is really what you want to do or if you just want to become more involved here. But it's got to start sometime. It's got to start sometime. All right, let me pray. And then I'm going to just give us a quick reminder of how we at Christ Church are doing this and then I'll let us go this evening. Father, you are the God of the nations. Jesus, you have all authority. And we, your church, hear the call. We love you because you first loved us. And we're thankful that you've saved us. And we're thankful that you've exercised your authority up to this point in history that we received the gospel. What a miracle. No one else could do that but you, God. I pray that you would stir our hearts and minds in such a way that we would be people who go to the nations. You're always with us. You have all authority. You care about all peoples and you are with us. Would you give us confidence in what you're doing? Would you help us forsake the things of this world and walk with you where you're going? Would you lift our hearts and minds from our circumstances and place them on the world that you love? Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.